This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Before you mash that fast forward button to move to the beginning of today's episode, I'd like to quickly tell you about some ways you can support the show and everything that I'm doing right now. You can support the show on Patreon by going to patreon.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Again, just go on over to patreon.com slash Chase Thomas Writer. Become a patron for as little as $5 a month. Or you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts and leave a rating and a review. It's incredibly important with the way iTunes works. So if you have a second, please leave a rating and or review and subscribe on iTunes. Uh, you can listen to the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, Google Play, and wherever else you get your podcasts, you can check out chasethomaspodcast.com. That is all my previous episode, a link to my newsletter, and all my articles that I've written. Uh, you can also follow me on Twitter at chase double underscore Thomas. You can like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase Thomas writer, or you can just tell a friend you found this independent sports podcast that they should check out too. Thank you for listening. You're all the best. And I think we've reached the point in this intro where my uncle Darren can play me in. All right, let's go. Chase Thomas podcast. The Chase Thomas podcast. Um, my nephew needs me to record. See, I hate. I already hate it. I hate it. All right, Monday night. It's uh, a dead period in the NBA. But uh, James Hollis, you may know him as Donnie Drippin. You may know him as Tweet Good Mac. He has a lot of nicknames in his Rolodex. But um, James is back in the podcast. He's a writer at bballbreakdown.com. And James, there's absolutely nothing going on in the NBA. So I don't really know what we're going to talk about tonight. Um, and see, I, I'm, I'm good filler. I'm, I'm, you might as well call me the podcast fluffer because when you, nothing else is going on and you need somebody just to take some air time up and, and talk nonsense, I'm your guy. Well, you were really mad at me last time about the Gordon Hayward and the Celtics stuff. Was I? I'm mad about a lot of stuff, so I don't even remember. It's all water under the bridge. You were you were probably dismissive of Gordon's awesomeness. I was dismissive about the Celtics contention, I think, and like what Hayward did and just how that all worked. Um, I will say, when I saw that Jalen Brown guaranteed they were going to the finals this year, I immediately thought of you in our conversation because... I uh my eyes rolled back into my eyes when I saw that comment <laughs> because um I've got some bad news for Jalen Brown and the Boston Celtics they're not going to the NBA finals this year okay like that's that's also not happening okay so who's going from the East it's uh the Bucks for me that's that's dedication are you a Bucks fan no I just think so the way I look at it is so you're not gonna believe this James but I feel like basketball can be sometimes we overthink things. Who is the best player in the East right now? Kawhi Leonard. Okay, healthy. That's fair. Like they're the only other team I could see making it out of the East this year. It's the Raptors. Like they're a wait and see team, but it would not surprise me if the Raptors were in the finals this year. But it depends on what Kawhi does. Um, we'll get to them in a second. But like I wanted to start here with the Celtics because I was thinking about like okay, so the Bucks are my like dark horse. I've been saying in the podcast for weeks now that like you know. 
if you go up and down the roster, like Brooke Lopez also guaranteed them getting into the NBA finals this year, which uh, kind of went under the radar because um, I don't think people are um, taking notes on what Brooke Lopez is saying in the middle of the summer, but um, he thinks so. And I just think with the best coach of Giannis's career and Mike Budenholzer, him getting 50 plus wins out of, I mean, 60 wins out of um, Paul Millsap, Damari Carroll, Kyle Korver, Jeff Teague, and Al Horford just a few years ago and just knowing what they've done this offseason with Ursan Eliasova, Brooke Lopez, like they're going to be playing five out basketball. They're going to have a bunch of shooters around Giannis for the first time in his career. So he'll have more opportunities to do what he's best at, which is driving and no one being able to do anything. And your coach, the genius, he admitted there's nothing we can do with Giannis on like there's just nothing we can do. And they gave the Celtics a lot of problems in the first round. I mean, obviously the Chris Middleton shot was insane, but like they didn't have a coach and they still were driving the Celtics insane. I mean, like, I just think now. I'm sorry. No, no, go ahead. Okay, no, go no, ahead. no, go. no, no. Finish, finish your thought. Finish your thought. I just, I think that with proper coaching, more depth, a healthy Malcolm Brogdon, I, uh, Chris Middleton staying healthy. Like I still think they're going to move Bledsoe. I, I don't see him as a Budenholzer point guard. So depending on what they get for that, they add another shooter there. Um, I just I think they're in good shape and they don't have to worry about placating Jabari Parker anymore because he's gone like there's just something natural about this team and it seems like they just had the look of like that 2005 Cleveland Cavaliers team with um, LeBron where it's like they're gonna win a bunch of games they're not really contenders because the Warriors are still um, the favorites and it doesn't matter who's coming out of the East they're not being the Warriors but they do have the feel of a team that's just like going to win a bunch of regular season games. They don't have a bunch of depth. They don't have a bunch of inspiring young pieces around Giannis, but Giannis plus a bunch of good role players who know how to play and a really good coach goes a long way, especially when LeBron's out of the East. So, so I have a question I, for I just, you. I'm there. Do you, do you, re- yes. do you remember when uh, Matthew Della Vadova was considered like actually a good young point guard? No, I still do. Love Delhi. Okay, I'm not. No, I know he's a bad. There's player. a difference yeah. between loving him and and remember when he was getting all the praise because he was playing with LeBron James and he looked like you know he like a starter. He looked like he could be a starter maybe somewhere. And what did Milwaukee do? Mm-hmm. They signed him. They signed him, and they said, "Well, you know, Giannis kind of does what Bron does, right? He's big, he gets to the hole, and a perfect point uh-huh. guard playing off of him would be Matthew Dellavedova." And then we learned quite quickly that Giannis is not LeBron James. LeBron James is just on another level. So I get what you're saying. Giannis right. is great, and he's going to be even better this year. He's incredible. He's going to be great. Would it surprise you if he was MVP this year? Uh, no, it wouldn't surprise me. Okay. Now, here's the thing. There's still a difference between being Giannis and Tocumpo fully fully weaponized uh, in this no this year, because he, he's not going to be his best self until he's 28, 29, right? We know that. So yeah. there's, there's a big difference between, uh, I think he's still only, what, 25, 24? Uh, is he even 25? I think he's like 24. Yeah, so the difference between Giannis at 24 and LeBron James, and that's what you're going to see. He's 23. He turns 24. Holy moly. That's that's incredible. So there's going to there's yeah. going to be a time when he is the best, like hands down, maybe head and shoulders, best player in the East. That's definitely a possibility. Now, don't like he's already, what, six years into the league? Five years in the league? I think this will be year six. Okay, so like this is, you know, I'm not saying he's not going to get better. He's obviously going to get better. He gets better every year. Yeah, if you look absolutely. at his uh, no, year-to-year stats, hey, like they're insane. I, I, I ceded the floor to you earlier. This is my turn. Mm-hmm. He's awesome. <laughs> He's absolutely awesome. The jumper's still right. suspect. And even if, let's say, he makes a 
a 15 to 20% increase on the jump shot. It's, it's still not a weapon. And until he proves it's a weapon, it's not a weapon, right? We can both agree to that, right? Uh, yes, I would agree that it's not a weapon yet. But and go from again, okay, to hey, hey man, we're in year six, bro. <laughs> a player usually by year uh-huh. five is four or five is who they kind of are, and then they kind of tweak and peak, and it's fine. We're in year, we're heading to year six. I don't think he's going to be a volume three point shooter. I don't think he's going to be even above three average three point shooter. And that's okay because he's awesome. Um, and you know, sure, they went seven with the, the Bulls, the, the, with the Celtics, without Gordon Hayward, without Kyrie Irving, without a head coach. Okay, without Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward, so they added uh-huh. Ilya Sova. Good, Brooke Lopez. Very good. I get it. The other team is adding two All Star caliber players, and they got Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown a year better. I just, mm-hmm. I, I mean, you said it, you said it yourself. There's just not a lot of depth in Milwaukee. So once Giannis goes to the bench, which will have to be sometimes. That's where everything's going to flip. I mean, they have Ilya Sova to play the four okay. now. They again, have, like, once, they again, have, once yeah. they send Giannis to the bench and the uh-huh. Celtics still have Kyrie and Al Horford on the floor, it's a whole different ballgame. So I think in a series, if it comes to head-to-head, the Celtics are going to win. Not easily, but they're just going to wear them down. They're just too deep. And Giannis is great. I don't think he... There's, what if they have home court? I, would your opinion change? No, if it won't. The Bucks no. finish first the no, okay. it won't change. I just don't think the Bucks are ready. I think they still are. Now, if they make they make a big move or two, like you said, if they find a way to move Bledsoe for something substantial, um, sure. But right now, it's Giannis and Chris Milton. And then, I mean, I mean, Ilya was fine. He's fine. He's a good player. Really good player. Same thing with Brooke Lopez. These are good players. Malcolm Brown's a good player. These are good players that you need around a guy like Giannis. But then it's still Giannis and Middleton, and they need another guy. And they don't, until they have that guy, mm-hmm. I'm just, I still say that the Celtics and the Raptors and uh, who's the third team? Uh, Philly. Are, 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 yeah. Oh, Philly are my fourth team. So at least I have Boston ahead of Philly for you right now because – Okay, let's. So basically, this podcast, I should probably preface this in some way in a professional manner, but um, there's just a lot going on right now with just we're kind of feeling everything out. Everybody's talking about Vegas over unders, and my whole thought was like, you know, let's just. It seems like the dust has finally settled, mellow after weeks and weeks of rumors and just dealing with the minutia of getting him actually in Houston, um, getting bought out, uh, the Hawks making a Carmelo Anthony jersey. Shout out to Rashid Wallace in the Hawks jersey and everything else. So that was cool. But we're done. It seems like everything is done for right now. No trades. Everybody's basically signed except for Rodney Hood, who may never get signed by a basketball team ever again. We can't roll that out. But um, I, I do think that this is something that's super fascinating now. Is like, okay, now that we can look at the depth charts, we can look at how rotations are going to fill out. We know how certain guys are going to fit into their current teams now that the entire roster is there. Um, Philly is someone when I look at like grading, like, okay, how did this off season work for them? I think Philly had an abject disaster. And part of me says that is so a lot now is riding on Markel Fultz going into this off season. It may not have had to, because they were wanting to get LeBron James. They were wanting to get Kawhi Leonard. They were wanting to get Paul George. They were swinging for the fences. They got none of those guys. But the reason they're doing that is a, you obviously want, um, top 10 NBA talent like every team wants them but they also have the cap space to do that and they also have a void because they are super thin on the wing right now they if you look at their wing depth it's terrible it's Covington it's JJ Redick and they have to hope that JJ is the exact same player he was a year ago and stays healthy because there's nobody behind him they traded Timothy Luawu I mean I guess Furkan can maybe do something um uh, but he did not look 
all that great in summer league. Like they are very, very thin on the wing. Justin Anderson's now a Hawk. Like there is something there where I can understand why they were going so hard at a wing because there's just not a lot there. So you don't like you don't like Wilson Chandler? Uh, I don't trust Wilson Chandler. What? The, he is hell. I love Wilson Chandler. It's hell. Okay. Oh, not I like Wilson Chandler, the basketball player. I don't like the idea of banking on Wilson Chandler to stay healthy for a full year. Um, we know going into the playoffs what they struggled with, which was half court offense, especially down the stretch. Like Ben Simmons really struggled. Joel Embiid against the Celtics that you watched that series. We watched that series. Like they were just throwing it into him and he was trying to go three and one. He was trying to do too much. Because he was their only option, really, because Ben Simmons has no jumper, and he's great, and I love Ben Simmons. This is not an indictment on him. He's still a very good basketball yeah, kind of, player. Kind of indictment but it is, but um, he can still be an MVP-level player and not have a jump shot. Like, that, he can still do that because he does everything else so well that, like, whatever. Like, that's a separate conversation. But the point is, like, they have nobody they can just, like... It, it was the same problem that the Hawks ran into when they got to the playoffs, where everything just gets more it gets tighter. Everything gets more difficult. And the Celtics have Jason Tatum now. Like they have someone they can throw the ball to. They'll have Gordon Hayward back. They have Kyrie. They have guys that like when things get tight, close, they have guys. So that's a positive for them. The Sixers still don't have that. Joel is not like you need someone else outside of Joel. And that was the whole point of drafting Markel. And if they had Jason Tatum instead of Markel Fultz, yeah, I would be much higher on this Sixers team and what they could potentially be. But now you're asking me to bank on the futures of Markel Fultz, Ben Simmons, and Joel Embiid, and I am never going to sign on for that. Like, if I had to pick one of the four teams in the top four in the East, and I think these are the top four teams, if I had to pick one who's not there and maybe not even a playoff team three years from now, it's the Sixers. And it's not even close to me because I just, I don't trust. Like, oh, wait, 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 do me a favor, do me a favor. Back that up, you said if you had to pick one of the four teams that what? Um, the one of the four teams, like the so if we go to the top four of the East, like we I think we can agree that it's gonna be the Bucks, the Sixers, the Raptors, and the Celtics. That's right? fine. If I had to pick one of the four to not even be in the playoffs in a couple years, like two to three years, it'd be the Sixers. Holy moly. I think this could go really bad really fast. They don't even have a GM right now. They still haven't they swung for Dale Murray, they didn't get him. Like they have they're thinking a lot on Drew Hanlon solving the Markel fault stuff and we've established that it was the ips right like that's what it was um i i don't see that doesn't seem like a future hall of fame player to me like at this point like are we like the best case scenario is he's a good rotation player but then you're banking on joel Embiid and ben simmons and i think that's good enough to be like a 39 win team 41 team if they like can play because i don't think they're gonna play enough games i i just joel Embiid is still a ticking time bomb for me i love Joel Embiid but if you're asking me to plan my future around him and his health and then Ben Simmons without a jumper I just I could see this going really badly really quickly we always assume that everything lasts forever in basketball and sports and I, I just I, I worry about there's, a, there's lot. a middle ground like sure he, Joel probably won't play 82 games but like they're going to measure they're going to they're going to meet they're going to like you know be easy with his minutes and they're going to sit him certain games he's going to there's a good chance he plays 70, 68, which is plenty. For how many years, though? Well, we're just talking. So, I mean, that's the thing. They're going to keep him on this kind of minutes thing until he he shows he's kind of he's healthy. So, I mean, I'm I'm banking on and, you know, I'm going to I'm going to skew positive here. Sure. It looked really bad. And people were there were people before last year were saying what players ever missed his first two years and blah, blah, blah. And he came back. and He played great. Even though it was only 34 games. They shut him down. And then they're like, oh, well, look, yep. look at that. And then the next year he played, what, double the games, right? How many games did he play last year? 
Let me look. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, it's a good bit. This is this is quality radio. Um, so my my point being that like, sure, he's definitely a bigger injury risk than most players. You know, he played sixty three games and he played thirty one the year before. Right, and we know that this year he didn't really. They didn't sit him really because he was. He didn't really. I think he might have sprained an ankle once. But for the most part, I think they sat him just to be cautious, right? Am I correct? I mean, yeah, but no, no. It's I'm, still... and, and see, I think every year they're going to scale it up a little more. And if he proves it, and hey, honestly, look, they're they're with you. They put all those uh, injury qualifi- qualifiers in his contract. They, you know, they're, exactly. So they're scared too. Obviously, I mean, anybody would. You know, you don't want to just hand over. But then if you lose and beat, let's say he has like one more bad foot injury, and that's it. And then you're just left with Ben Simmons, and then whatever Mark Helfold. Is that a playoff? Team? You can't forget um the guy who broke his foot again. Uh, it's the young kid's name, Z- Zaire. Okay. <laughs> I like. That. Sure. Um, <laughs> um. So I guess it all depends on what you think about Markel, and I'm with you. I'm very non-committal on Markel Fultz because yeah it's just so weird to see a guy just get the yips and forget how to shoot and just sit for a whole freaking year basically that's so strange so mm-hmm. but nothing is normal in Philly that's just a weird thing and be the you know the, the double back-to-back injuries Simmons breaks a foot this year's IR Smith breaks a foot it's like I don't know the GM thing is weird uh, um, that's uh, that's. I'm just saying that's a bold thing to say that you know if you're picking from one of these teams, which one wouldn't be? In the, you know, it's not going to be the playoffs in four years. It's going to be. It'd be. It'd be Toronto. It'd be Toronto. Uh, in, four, in four years, let's say Kawhi leaves, um, uh-huh. which is a very good. If Kawhi leaves, they're not in the playoffs. Oh, the next well, no, season, no, then I no, think no. He finally Kawhi, he blows it. Kawhi up. Le- exactly. And if they blow it up, they're not yeah. going to be in the playoffs in four years. It's going. I would agree. Yeah, if Kawhi leaves after this year, but I'm banking on him being there after this year. I think Kawhi's signing. Long so time. hold on. So let me ask you: What's a, what's what's more uh, reasonable? Embiid plays sixty-eight games uh, two seasons from now, or Kawhi Leonard suits up as a Raptor? Two, so not this season, but the season after. What's more likely? What's more likely? Uh, the latter. By that's far. crazy talk. I don't think so. Why is it crazy? Because if Kawhi Leonard, he's already bounced around. Like, what, what chances do you think he's staying? Uh, I would probably say the Paul George stuff may be clouding my. I think a it little is. Bit here, but I, I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna give you that one. I think so. I I would say over fifty percent. I would get because I just think this team's gonna be really good. I think that's part of it. Is like when you the, something that really helps and like it's a it's a silly expression and a silly thing that's said in sports a lot. But like winning cures most things, and if the Raptor if he's healthy and the Raptors make the finals, he's not leaving. Like that's part of it too. Is like I'm banking on him at least getting to the Eastern Conference Finals with this team if he's healthy and if he has an MVP like running, and especially like if they get the number one seed in the East again this year and Kawhi's the best player and wins MVP. Do you see him walking away? So hold on, man. Which one's winning MVP? You just said it's Giannis. I said I'm saying that's that's another narrative. I'm saying it's still Giannis for me, but I'm saying that like you're we're talking about in the vacuum of Joel Embiid versus Kawhi Leonard of like what's more likely um to have what's what's more reasonable two to three. I'm just saying like which Kawhi stands. It's not a vacuum. Which one's happening? If Giannis is winning the MVP, you can't give Kawhi the MVP. Also, what's going on here? What kind of chicanery is this? I think (laughs) what kind of what kind of tomfoolery is this? Um, I don't understand the LeBron MVP stuff. Like, just because he's in LA, absolutely. Like, just because he's going to be great. It's a narrative. I, I don't understand he's, that. He's gonna, but like, he's going to put up big numbers. They're going to win a lot more games. They're going to make the playoffs. Um, are we sure he's going to put up big numbers? Yes. 
He's LeBron James. Okay. He's going to put up big numbers. He's not going to play defense, and he's going to put up big offensive numbers. Maybe not. Okay. Maybe not the biggest of his this. career. He played eighty-two last year. Maybe not. The, Does he play eighty-two? No, probably not. But maybe not the biggest of his career. But he's going to put up like at least like twenty-five, like eight and eight, easy. That's, he doesn't put up anywhere close to Giannis numbers. Twenty-five, eight and eight. Giannis did that. What Giannis did like twenty-five and ten last. Year. What do you think LeBron did last year? Uh, that's a good question. I mean, you, I'm not gonna guess. Yeah, you, I, I no, think I'm not gonna guess. I think it's a lot. I bet you it's close. I think it's a lot. Le- LeBron almost put up twenty-eight. Uh, nine. So oh, hold on, hold on. LeBron put up twenty-eight, nine and nine last year. Okay, twenty-nine and nine. Giannis was and, no, so Giannis was twenty-seven, ten and five. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I mean, like he's probably gonna do thirty, ten and seven this year. Um, I don't think maybe he might, and that's fine. He did twenty-two the year before, and he jumped up to twenty-seven. Like his rebounds went from eight to ten. His assist was from four. Uh, his assist actually went down a little bit, but um, blocks were up, steals were up. Like, Ron's going to put up a cool 25, 7, and 7. I'm not shying off my Giannis. MVP. No, that's fine. I'm not. I'm not we're arguing two different things. I don't, I don't even care who wins MVP. I'm just saying LeBron's going to yeah. put up 25, 7, and 7 like in his sleep. Like that's, that's gonna be- but back to the original question of Kawhi and um, Joel. So what makes you more... Um, optimistic about Embiid and his future in Philly. Like, what makes you so comfortable? I, I shouldn't say so comfortable, but what, what, what gives you hope there? Because I, I do think Philly fans um, are pretty optimistic, and they, I, I don't know. I think it's, they it's they weird. got a state they got state of the art uh, a state of the art training staff now. I think that um, they really babied and coddled him as they should have. Right, the injury they took their yes. super time with it, and they he was so frustrated that first year. Right. And I think he could have came back to play even after he got hurt. And they're like, no, you're just you're shutting you down in the season. Right. Or did he? No, he tore a meniscus or something. So that's fine. Um, So, yeah, I just think that with the way he's going to get smarter about his managing his body. Right. He had trouble with his issues with his weight before. And I think he's got that under control. He's such a talented player. I think like if we're talking. Giannis is definitely a better player right now. I, I mean, it's not – I don't think it's crazy to say Embiid will be a better player in two years because he's that talented. Not saying Giannis is not talented too. I think Embiid is a next-level talent. Now, if he can work hard enough and stay healthy, that's the question with Embiid. I think – But he cannot play the minutes that Giannis can. Giannis I don't care about the – that's minutes. the whole thing. Like, it doesn't matter if about the minutes. If, if he plays 34 and his team, you know, still wins the same amount of games, I'm not going to – him for people. well come playoff time you have to increase the well, which, like, no no hold problem. on slow like, down man you're jumping all over the place i'm just talking about like, like the mvp type stuff i'm talking about the MVP. yeah that's true we, it's not a postseason. yeah yeah, yeah yeah so i'm just saying like regular season he plays 35 34 minutes a game and Giannis plays his 30 yeah i think he played 34 last there you go so he plays 34 35 and b play i mean i'm beat uh Giannis will play 38 39 if you need him to um and you know what i'm gonna say this Giannis has been remarkably healthy i'm knocking on wood his playing style. He's even bigger. Yeah. Well, he got bigger. I'm just you saw saying that, that the, it, he's bulking it doesn't, up. It doesn't matter. His playing style, like injuries can happen. I'm not knocking on wood. I don't want him to. But he's been remarkably healthy through seven years. Let's hope he keeps it running. So, I mean, of course, he's not as big as injury risk as Embiid. But, like, I mean, we can't just we can't just chalk up good health for Giannis and Middleton. I think you can. I think there's some guys that are just healthy. And they're just, you never really have to worry. You're okay. like, well, that guy just had. I mean, KD, okay, KD was for his first seven, eight years. He broke, KD still has. No, them. he broke his I mean, foot. He broke really his foot missed the whole season. He missed half a season. I'm not disagreeing. 
I'm not disagreeing with that, but that was it. But that's like, my he point. sometimes like, has that, so, but like he's been a healthy So, guy. I mean, my point is it happens. Russell Westbrook, healthy as a horse for seven seven seasons, and he ended up messing with his knee. Like, it happens. And then, you know, Russ has been healthy the last, I think, two seasons, basically. So, I like, same thing with KD. So, my point is, like, you can't just say, oh, yeah, I to be healthy this season. Because you don't know. You don't know. It happens. You know? But I... Do I trust Giannis to be healthy, healthier than Embiid? Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. I'm with you. So, um, I mean, I don't, I don't really. And this is like the MVP argument. Is it's fun, but like I don't, I don't really care because we saw Harden win MVP, and and none of us thought he was the best player in the league. That's like one of those weird things where we like we all agree that he had the best season, I guess. But like, I don't know. I. I that stuff still is kind of silly to me. Like the way we have this discussion and way it's but like, you know, and that's why I think it's so like it's like pointless to have it now. It's because we don't know how the narratives play out. The narrative, yep. even though we know we knew Harden was going to win, I knew Harden was going to win from the get go. Right? We, I just knew if they won a bunch of games, people been talking about Harden too much. He's going to win it. Giannis is now the hot name, obviously, and so he, I think, already has like a, a leg up on a lot of guys. LeBron, same thing. Just because people are like, oh, if LeBron has won in a few years and he's gonna he's gonna have the narrative behind him, he already has a head start on almost everyone else. Right. right? So like, but there's gonna be a couple surprise guys. And it's gonna be a team that no one really sees coming that's gonna take off. Kawhi already has a leg up. Cause you're like, they, they take over the I don't think so. I think I, people hate I, him. I think uh, he has only Spurs. Like, that letter was really bad. Only Spurs fans. Because if he okay. if he comes back playing the way he, he he was in San Antonio and they're a number one or two seed in the East, and so he's a difference maker and he's hitting threes and he's guarding the other team's best guy and he's like you know hitting hitting clutch shots. That it doesn't matter what people say in the off season. It's gonna it's gonna come all the way back around, right? Okay. I mean no. I'm just, just, yeah. I mean hey, if in January. Toronto is, you know, leading the, like leading the East right there at the top, and he's averaging 25, 7, uh, you know, two and a half steals, a block, and he's just he's a terror everywhere, and you know he's hitting the spot up threes. I mean, no one's gonna they're gonna be like, wow, this is great, you know. So I don't know. So you don't think the lineup of Lowry, Green, OG, Kawhi, and uh, Ibaka closing against the Celtics? Absolutely not. Has a no, I don't. Okay, and I guess it's it's gonna you can call it Celtics bias, but like I mean that's great. no, that's, I'm just curious. That was just a no, question. No, that's I, a great I wonder that's, how it's gonna that's work. That's a great yeah. defensive lineup. Um, I think Serge has slipped enough where I I don't know, I don't know, I don't know how well that's gonna work. He was bad in the playoffs last Absolutely, year. he slipped a lot. I was concerned, but you have Pascal Siaka. Maybe he takes a jump. There. I think that he's a he's still a very raw talent. He does really good things, but we we don't know. We don't know yet. I mean, it's great. He's gonna be good. But uh, just Kawhi and OG together, um, I think Kyle Lowry again. He's thirty three. He'll be thirty like four this year, I think. That's it's he's he's he doesn't show signs and he's great. But they can ride him on the bench. They can be because they brought back Fred VanVleet. So they're on my list of like teams that I thought had a. I mean, obviously getting Kawhi Leonard like that's still a great again, option, no matter how you feel about DeRozan. Uh-huh. Like. I'm giving them a really positive grade because they brought back Van Fleet and he was so good for them. Like we give the Rockets a lot of credit for how Harden and Paul meshed um, in the backcourt because those were some serious questions going into the year of like, how does this work? Um, Fred Van Fleet and like Kyle Lowry is able to like play with any kind of guard. I think he deserves more credit for that because I feel like he's a mercurial player, but the fact that he can play with someone like Dylan Wright, you can play with someone like Fred Van Fleet. You can play with somebody like, Norman Powell, you can play with somebody like DeMar DeRozan, CJ Miles. Like, he's able to play off the ball, on the ball. Like, those guys all just mesh really well. 
And bringing back Van Fleet was like one of those under the radar, like really positive things because he was so good for them. Um, corner threes, moving around, just a smart basketball player. I think Coach Nick had this really good breakdown of all the different sets they ran for him and just how like his hustle plays and just you have to watch just how much he means to that team. And now that Nick Nurse has been promoted to head coach, like I think we're going to see more offensive explosion and more interesting stuff with that guard play, kind of like what the Mavericks do and what they did when they had Yogi Ferrell, who went to the Kings. And I have some thoughts in the Kings that I want to get to in a bit, but um, I think they're going to be a lot more interesting offensively. Danny Green, I think is a really interesting player next to somebody like Kyle Lowry. Um, I, I just I want to see it, and I think there's real potential that they're a top five offense and defense. And see, I I agree with you, but then like I look at like how quickly I think we kind of don't forget, but outside out of mind, Kyrie Irving was outstanding last year in Boston. Gordon Hayward a year ago before the injury until the year last year in Utah was playing the best basketball of his career. I don't know, we might not see that Gordon Hayward ever again, but. Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum showed flashes of excellence in the playoffs. They're going to be playing together. Marcus Smart is going to bring what he does, intensity, defense, uh, can guard one through four and some fives. Like, you know, Al Horford is is one of the more underrated all-around players in the league. You know, he's not going to wow you with stats. So, I mean, I get it. Say Ackham's nice and, you know, OG are nice, but I, I just I just think Boston has another level. Uh, as far as as far as up and down the roster talent wise, Kawhi might be the best out of all those players. Now he is. He is the best player out of all those players. But then if you go like players, you know, two through five, you see a lot more Celtics than you see Raptors, you know, or two through eight. Yeah, three. right there with you. So and, and that's I think that sometimes, this, you know, the sum can be great in the whole of his parts and Kawhi is great. But then Kyrie, Al Horford, Jason Tatum. These these guys are like this. This is an, they can bring them in waves, right? So even though the Toronto bench is proven to be great, Fred, Fred Fred Van Fleet is great. Terry Rozier is really good too, and so is Daniel Tice. Speaking of Rozier, I have a question. Okay, do you think they're going to regret not moving him this summer? No, I don't. Okay, I, I think that um, I you know what Danny Ainge has been critiqued and crit- criticized a lot, uh, but I think as we see looking back now over the last few years, he's pretty much hit every wicket. Right. He's he's he has he's hit way more than he's missed, you know, since he moved on from from um, Kevin Garnett and Ray Allen and the whole gang. He's hit more than he's missed and he's, he's done a good job. Right. Shrewd moves. So um, Terry Rozier is not a free agent, a uh, restricted free agent until next summer. Right. So like even if let's say, you know, if if he moves on for nothing or let's say, hey, let's say that, like you said, maybe maybe they move him by the trade deadline. Maybe they find some yeah. a home for him by the trade deadline. Uh, maybe they package him and Marcus Morris for something like you know. Yeah. I think Marcus Morris is on the way out too. So I mean, I, 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 hey, I have I used to I used to really critique Danny Ainge, you know, when he brought in Isaiah Thomas and didn't tank, and I didn't like a lot of the little moves. Him, I didn't like the Terry Rozier draft. I didn't like him when he drafted him. So um, I got to give him the benefit of the doubt. And if they find a deal and they move him by the by the trade deadline, you know, it was meant to be. If not, they keep him around because they think he's going to help, which, you know, he would help a lot for a playoff run. That makes sense, too. Yeah. I think it's a testament to that culture, though. The fact that he's not asking out. It's not a Reggie Jackson situation yet where he was he was at like Scott Brooks throat and they like there was just something toxic going on there. And they finally just had to move him and give him his own team like Rozier got to experience um, playoff joy running the Celtics and um, for him, it's kind of like Nick Foles in a different scenario, obviously because they didn't win the title, but there is something to like 
a certain kind of personality type that's like okay drifting back like okay this was fun but i'm also not carrie irving like nick Foles is like yeah this was fun and i it all worked but i'm also not carson wentz and there's just this like self-awareness that is rare i think for professional athletes because it's hard it's hard to doubt your like you got to this point because you were confident and you believed that you could do this and terror's ear is now at a point where he like we're still suspect about his playmaking as a point guard in this league and like where he fits in because there's just so many great point guards mm-hmm. but we also saw that like i mean i could see it like look at what the orlando magic is going to try to point guard this year like it's reprehensible i'm shocked they didn't i'm shocked they didn't throw some money at isaiah thomas it's um I, that's that was my pick i was right there with you and the nuggets are another team i want to get to in a second but um the magic have dj augustine jaron grant isaiah briscoe and troy calpin i don't know if that's a real person but he's on the depth chart like hey, you know what hold on troy, troy, makes- troy calpin is if you were playing nba 2k and you like sim a few seasons into the future that's a guy that comes up in the draft just some made-up name yeah, and also like you could do this game with the Dallas Mavericks bigs. Uh, so Maxi Kleber, uh, Ray Spalding, Kostas Antetokounmpo, obviously Giannis' brother. So shout out to the Mavs for getting ahead of this and signing his brothers, um, like the J.R. Smith route. Um, Solomon Jiri and Dwight Powell. Like I obviously know who the last two are, but like it is um, uh, Ding Yang Yuong. I think that's the name. Uh, like it's just it's unbelievable. Like some teams now where uh, you just so many guys that you're just like wait who is that a real person but um back to the celtics of like rosier i just i wonder i guess it's a positive because they brought back marcus smart they paid him for your contract he's the heart and soul i think kind of of this team and he's someone who like um i i personally very much enjoy but uh he's a guy who's not gonna play crunch time for them like he just can't play you can't play everybody when it matters and um right now it's Kyrie, jalen hayward tatum and horford and certain guys are just out on barring injury and i just wonder how that all i'm gonna, gar- I'm gonna guarantee wonder. i'm gonna guarantee something to you on certain nights you will see people like marcus smart or terry rosie in the crunch time if they got it going and mm-hmm. brad even coaches a little bit by field down the stretch and he'll say hey man i, I like what marcus was bringing i i didn't want to break up what we had on the floor so you will see, and, and it's also it's another way. And that's how you keep those guys. Engaged. It's another way to throw them a bone. Regular season, you will see nights right. when Marcus Smart might he hit he's hit three or four threes early somehow. Luckily, and he's playing great defense. Guess what? He'll be on the floor in the crunch time. You know, okay. and and that's that's the kind of team Boston is. And you're right. I think eventually they have some decisions to make. Like Terry Rose, Terry not there long term. Um, uh, they they got to figure out, you know, Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum deserve larger roles. And just right now, how the team is, they're just not going to have large roles. And like, again, how are they going to react if there is a night when Terry Rozier is just really cooking and they got to, you know, and him and Kyrie both have it kind of going. And so now Jalen had or and Jalen had a rough night early. So now he's on the bench in the fourth. So we'll see some nights like that. But, but like you said earlier, winning cures all. So if their record is great and they're, they're winning ball games, you're not going to hear a rumble at that locker room. Give me a team that you looked at. And as you've been studying everything this summer of like, Oh, they did this, they did that. Like, give me another team that really stood out to you of like, I just, I don't really understand what they're doing. And I did not like their draft or their free agency decisions. Who's another team for you? Um, I guess I, I'm not gonna say I didn't like them, because, but it's very volatile. It's the Wizards. Um, okay. They because they're at a kind of an impasse. They're at a, 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 a turning point. That they're at a fork in the road for that franchise. 
it's either kind of put up or shut up right now, right? John Wall always talks. Um, I think Bradley Beal is is maybe underrated around the league. Ooh, I'm right there with Let's, you. Love Bradley. Yeah, man. They bring in Dwight Howard into this mix. Kyle, Kyle uh, Oubre has kind of like a quirky kind of personality. Very fiery guy. Strong personality. Um, from what I understand, there's kind of like factions in that locker room. You know, where like Otto Porter doesn't really mingle with uh, Beal and Wall and and like you know it's it's weird man so this is a no this locker room might be a powder keg ready to blow scott brooks i think is a really good guy but he's not a strong personality and he was great dealing with russell westbrook and kevin Durant because he kind of let them be themselves in this case i don't know if that's going to work you know i think they almost need a kind of disciplinarian in there or or a stronger personality or or a bigger voice so this will be interesting year for them and it can go great you know, I think Dwight Howard can provide he can provide rebounds and, you know, a couple points, but his personality is where it comes in. So this can either work out great and it, I think it's, or it can implode. I don't know if it's going to be a middle ground for the Wizards. So the Wizards have um, <laughs> I have a lot of thoughts on the Wizards. I'll probably never forgive them for not being the Raptors in the first round this past year because I picked them to beat the Raptors and uh, they did what they could. They even won a game with Bradley Beal getting uh, his last foul in ridiculous fashion and they still ended up surviving without him and um i don't understand still why tomas sanaransky did not play really in that uh, series and ty lawson jumped him in the uh, depth chart but whatever uh ty lawson's gone so sanaransky is back to being the primary backup point guard for john wall so good news there but uh jeff so the wizards they lose mike scott who was really, really good for them last year. And he signed a one-year deal with the Clippers and they replaced him with Jeff Green. Don't love that. Uh, Jeff Green was fine, I guess, in Cleveland, but whatever. He's back home. Maybe that's, uh, usually that's not a positive. Uh, I would cite Jeff Teague uh, and his stories about going back to Indiana as an example, a recent example of players who go back home with um, wide eyes and just like, oh, no, I actually need to go back away. Yep. Like it's, not a, it's not all it's cracked up. Kevin Durant, said, and, uh, Kevin Durant said it himself. He goes, when I come here, I just stay in the hotel room because he's like, I got people, everyone wants a piece of me, and it's exhausting. Exactly. Yep. Um, so that's another thing. So maybe that's something to keep an eye on with Jabari being back in Chicago too. Uh, it's just the Wizards, I, they're in a tough spot. Like Ernie Grunfeld is obviously a bad general manager. But – that five-man group, when Gortat, before he kind of fell off a cliff last year, that five-man unit of Wall, Beal, Porter, um, Markeef, and Gortat was murdering teams. When those guys played, when they had their five, and that was my reason for them being the Raptors, is that like the Raptors had the depth, and I was banking on depth not beating just a really good starting five in the playoffs because those guys were going to play 40 minutes a night each game they were going to run wall into the ground beal into the ground porter into the ground markeef into the ground and even gortat and they would survive and it didn't happen so that's fine but they made a made some moves but they signed jody meeks last summer they let Boyan move on they they do these little things where it's like you have four guys that really work like Keith Porter wall and Beal. Like no matter how weird of a fit it is with wall and Beal, they're still really good when they're all healthy and they're all playing together. Like it's not a perfect fit, but it's one that can win you 50 games in the East. So like, I don't really know what you do there. Like you can't trade them both. You don't do a full tear down, but it's also like, who do you pick? Do you pick wall or do you pick Beal? Do you, what do you do with auto Porter? You had to pay him because he was an RFA and they had to give him the max because the Brooklyn nets screw them over. Like there's so many different layers here that like, I still don't, 
I would have rather them like this offseason, I think I would have given them a positive grade if they had just traded for like Willie Collie's time. Like called Sacramento and been like, hey, we need a rim runner. We need somebody to run with Wall who can actually push the pace, everything else, help us just clear the lane, all that kind of thing. And they didn't do it. They brought in Dwight Howard. It's like, you don't need another old center. Like, just get a rim-running five. I want to see Wall with somebody like that. I want to see him with his own version of Clint Capella. And we probably aren't going to get that in Washington, unfortunately. But, um, yeah, I'm with you. I could see this going really bad, really fast, and this just ending up with Brooks getting fired this year, Wall getting traded, um, Ernie Grunfeld getting a 10-year extension. Like, everything is on the table. Um, I, I just, I don't know what else they can do right now, but it is going to be fascinating to watch this team play together. Like I'm excited for the stories. Like I have bulletsforever.com bookmarked. <laughs> I will be checking that every day <laughs> for all the craziness that is going to spew out of, uh, that locker room. But, um, all I want is Bradley Bill to be happy, I guess, because I love Bradley Bill and I want him to, uh, to pan out and get on a really good team that actually has like a good culture and good chemistry. But um, yeah, I, I have no idea what to make the wizards. Like it would not surprise me if they were the number five team in the East and won 49 games. And it would also not surprise me at all if they traded multiple guys and were out of the playoffs. Like it, it's, it's crazy. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you, man. Um, if I'm making my choice, I'm going to be all the way uh, him and Otto Porter. Well, you know what? Maybe Otto Porter is movable too. Just because I like him, but he's I think he's overpaid and maybe some team would want that giant contract. So um not it's nowhere like nowhere near a dump like the the DeMar dump, right? Where it's like, oh yeah, we can get out of this contract now, that's great. Because Porter can really play, but that's just a lot of money. Um I like Ubre. So yeah, that, even if they blow it up, it's not the end of the world, you know, because like I said, I, I really like Bill. I I don't know where you find a home for Wall, but if you can find a home for Wall, then I think you're doing okay. I mean, Orlando should be calling him like, hey. So Orlando, this is a good segue into Orlando because they're another team where like they're in that Washington zone for me where I don't, so they had a lot, they already were spending a lot of money. They had, they were unlucky in the lottery. Like a lot of this is really not their fault in some ways because some teams just get screwed over in the lottery. Like it's tough. Like look at what happened to Charlotte. They're one pick away from Anthony Davis. They got Michael Kidd Gilchrist instead. They got Cody Zeller, number four. Um, They just have Malik Monk was he might be something who knows um frank kaminsky they passed on taking four picks uh from boston wherever it was for kaminsky at the time like they have really not been lucky in the uh in the whole lottery department nicholas batum played really well for them when he first came in got injured and hasn't been the same since he can't shoot anymore that's a problem um marvin williams really good in year one with charlotte not so good last year he's whatever you know what? I'll, I'll say this. I think, I think the big thing about Batum, yeah. Batum needs to change the scenery. He has to go. I think his thing is uh, when when he's not happy, he just he just he just mails it in. I think he's just been mailing it in for the last year and a half. Could he get on the Houston? Like, what if they did a? It would have to be a Ryan Anderson deal. But like, he, uh, Atlanta was apparently willing to take on Ryan Anderson, according to a recent report in the last couple of days. Um, it would have to include, I think, Motley and uh, a first-round pick, but they're willing to absorb that for Basemore. So maybe there is something like uh, Charlotte could send. I would love Batum in Houston. Maybe that's all I want is I want him to go there. But, um, yeah, I mean, I'm sure they can move him. But then that whole team, and I talked to Matt more about this from a couple weeks ago, that Charlotte is a team that, like, if you have LeBron or Kawhi or one of those super Kevin Durant, a superstar wing around this group, it's a 61 team. 
without a superstar, it's a top 15 team, like number 16 offensive rating, number 17 defensive rating, and still somehow miss the playoffs and be awful in close games and just be really unlucky and just just incredibly frustrating to watch night in night out because they did a lot of stuff rightly they have no bad players like there's nobody who's a bad basketball nba basketball player in this rotation like kimball walker so tony parker we haven't even talked about him yet signed with them they brought in uh james borrego to be their new head coach who ostensibly looks like a good coach um kimba at his best was when he was playing with a guy who could drive and kick like his year with jeremy lynn fantastic they were really good that year and jeremy lynn went to brooklyn to go back with kenny atkinson the guy who really got his nba career off the ground in new york um it's something where like you could sell me on parker and kimba being really good uh closing games together uh jeremy lamb link monk playing a little bit more of the two but then they close with parker or whatever um batum slides over to the four and then they close with like cody zeller maybe or commence get the fight and they win like 46 games really i, I could see it really yeah. they're not gonna be bad like this team's not gonna be bad there's you know no what? way they're it's, bad you've been they've been saying it every year for the last two years and they've been bad no they haven't been bad though that's the thing is like look at their point i don't care about at, that like the way they and, lose and what happens and what happens you said it yourself without one of those kind of real deal players all the role all the nice little complimentary players in the world don't matter it just doesn't matter and i think tony park is in that in that in that zone now so I think they're they're going to win like 40 games this year and it's going to be ex- ex- just not even exhausting just like depressing. It is. Absolutely. That's exactly that's the best way to describe the Charlotte Hornets. They're depressing, man, because Kemba tries so hard and he has such superstar moments. It's 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 cool. You know, and then like they just have moments, you know, and like we we like Michael Kidd Gilchrist. That's one of those kind of players and Batum is a kind of guy every team wanted like still wants now when he's healthy in theory, but they just don't, they just don't work. They just, they just don't work, you know? So yeah, man, 36 games last year, 36 games the year before 48, the year before that, but then 30, that was the Lynn year. Yes. Lynn was big for them. And it's hilarious. Cause somebody had told me once they moved on from Lynn and they brought in, what was it? Ramon Sessions. They're like, Oh, well Sessions is just as good. If not better than Lynn. No, I was, Oh, I'm right. Oh, that, uh, that I still, I, I, that still pisses. Do you remember me that? Just, do you remember seeing that discussion? Yes, it was ridiculous because Ramon Sessions has not been. Go- oh my god, they just did that again with the Wizards this year, where it was like, oh, we found their backup point guard. Nope, it's never been the case. Ramon Sessions has been terrible for a really long time, and it was just this undervaluing of Jeremy Lin playing with Kimba. It was you had to watch Charlotte that year. That's all it was. Is you had to watch how Kimba and Lin played together. And you're like, oh wow, this is unbelievably perfect like the chemistry was natural they just played off each other so well because kimba is a really good off-ball player and jeremy lynn could do stuff that kimba just can't do it just it you know who i would like to see play with kimba bradley bill oh okay because again bradley can handle create drive and stuff too but like yeah so john wall for kimba um i mean why not charlotte why not you get a flame. That honestly wouldn't be. You get bad. a flamethrower. I, I could understand that. For yeah, you get a flamethrower backcourt uh, with you know Beal and Kemba put up. They, that's like video game numbers right there. They're not one of the best in the league. Well, yeah, they're one of the best in the league. They're not up there in you know, a tip top, but that's that's a formidable offense. Terrible defensively. Oh, after, but hey, uh, Beal, Beal <laughs> actually shows flashes defensively at times. Yes, he does. Mm-hmm. 
I just think he has to carry such a high usage rate offensively where he is asked. Like, I remember watching a Wizards-Bucks game, uh, just a random regular season game. I think it was the game where Amari Stoudemire unveiled his new hair. And it was like, oh, my God, what is going on in this? Uh, it was one of those players-only games. But uh, Bradley Beal, the first quarter, like, he just went off. Like, he was taking all the shots, and then he left, and things changed. But, like, you could tell that he was – I mean, this was when Wall was out, so Sadoransky was starting and all that. But, like, Beal carries such a huge load for that team because it's not a very sophisticated offense Scott Brooks is running in uh, Washington. It's a very ISO-heavy uh, game. It's a lot of – one-on-one like do it yourself like um everybody give Beal some room to operate and then maybe find auto porter in the corner every now and then but it's a lot on Beal so I've never really faulted him for um being barely passable defensively in Washington because he's one of those guys that just he carries such a heavy burden offensively for keeping that team afloat night in night out that um i, I just i can't follow him it's the james harden principle I guess. And that's what that's why i see i see kemba being uh sure he's not the great defender or playmaker that wall is but he he demands so much more attention offensively that he would open things up for bill a little bit and uh, we, we know wall can score he can score a little something but you know hey kemba's a legit could be a legit 25 point game guy and you know the spacing and you know just getting to the lane so Sure, it'd be, it's it's maybe robbing Peter to pay Paul. You know, maybe you're, you're giving up so much defensively and uh, as a playmaker with Wall that it doesn't really doesn't move the needle. But sometimes I think teams just gotta like do something different. They gotta just do something different. Yeah. So, all right, I want to run through a couple more and then we can go. Um, Denver, super high on them, and I want to know that was not an intentional pun. Um, I love what they did. I love Isaiah as a six man. For them, I love bringing back Barton and running out a starting five of Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, and Gary Harris when he's healthy is just a unbelievably talented basketball player. And uh, Barton, Millsap, and Jokic, and when Yoke, uh, when Millsap is healthy too, it's a very good team. Um, love Trey Lyles as a third big. They just they didn't do anything wrong. Like Michael Porter was like a huge value pick. Like I think you can make the case for me. It, like they, I don't want to say they won the off season. But they had an incredible offseason. They got a bargain Isaiah Thomas. They kept their main pieces intact. They paid Jokic. They got had a guy who many projected to be the number one overall pick a year ago late in the lottery. He doesn't have to play right away. There's no pressure there. Eh. Um, I don't know. I just felt like they had the perfect offseason for, for what they need. And it would not surprise me if they're like a four seed in the West. This year. Eh. I don't know. All right, you're not a fan. Uh, no, okay, so what, I just, I, what, what are you worried about with Denver? I just kind of – What did you not again, like? Again, I just kind of see it as uh, – I know you don't like Jokic. No, Jokic's fine. He's good. I just don't – So okay. do you want – Do you think Jokic could be the best player on a contender? I don't think he's going to be the best player. I, on I, 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 that's not what I asked you. Okay. Can he be the best player? No, I do not. You think no, that Paul Millsap – See, like to me, Paul, Paul Millsap is also another guy who's like Robin. He needs, he needs a, a primetime kind of big-time guy. I would agree. Yeah. Uh, and I guess if, unless you think Gary Harris can be that guy, fine. But I think, he has the most potential of anyone. I still think he's just the same kind of player. He's just he's a really good secondary type player that he can score, and, mm-hmm. but he needs like and and that's what everyone on that roster reminds me of. So that's good. There's, there's a lot of really good players there, really good. And I'm not as high on Yoki as some. I don't think he's a top ten type player. I just don't. I don't see it. But that's fine. Um, I think like, I love Millsap, but he has his flaws. You know. 
Um, Harris is a little undersized and doesn't play defense. Same thing with Jamal. Jamal Murray tries. Harris plays defense. That's not fair. Harris yeah, he's all right. He tries, but I don't think he's. A- he's just undersized. Well, that so I don't, I'm not. You could you can call it tomato. You say tomato. I say ketchup. I guess he's not. Really, okay. He's not really stopping anybody. I know he tries. I get it. Same thing with Jamal Murray. They're both a little undersized. Um, but they, they there's a lot of effort there. You know, but I don't know. I just, the team just, they're going to win. They're going to win. But then, I don't know. We'll see. They, last year, they won. Uh, I, I get it. Millsap being out changes everything. And then he came back and they weren't really in rhythm. I get it. So we'll see. We'll see. Speaking of guys who are important to their team that uh, miss time. Uh, so the Houston Rockets have been getting a lot of flack. Mm-hmm. They apparently they are no longer suitable to challenge the Golden State Warriors because they lost um, Luke Richard and Bamute, who went back to the Los Angeles Clippers, and uh, Trevor Ariza, who signed a one-year, fifty million dollar deal with Phoenix. Uh, they re-signed Joe Green. They signed Michael Carter Williams. They just signed Carmelo Anthony. They still have Ryan Anderson on the roster. But here's the thing: when Chris Paul does not miss twenty-five games, and Chris Paul and James Harden. And Clint Capella are on the floor for Houston and this Mike D'Antoni offense. They're really, really good. They lost a handful of games when those three played in the regular season. We know what they are when those three are on the floor. If Houston's no longer contender of knocking off Golden State, it's because Chris Paul misses forty games, or he misses the play, or he miss, like he falls off a little bit. It's not because they let Luke Richard. Or Trevor Reese ago and are filling the gaps with James. And um, guys I've like seen that. the discussion. They're going to be fine. I think this is the thing. I think it took such a confluence of things to come together uh, for them to be up 3-2 on the Golden State Warriors. And we know what Golden State can do when healthy and when they're rolling. And for whatever reason, well, we know the reasons. Golden State just wasn't rolling. It was great defense by Houston. It was no Iggy, which matters. It was not the biggest thing. I get it. It matters. Um, it was, you know, I think whatever, but the point is you're up three, two, you got to strike. That's one of those chances. We might never have that chance again. And I understand what you're saying. Like Trevor and Luke were just, you know, complimentary pieces, but against a team like golden state, their, their roles are so huge compared to what Melo can do. That's where people are saying that, like, oh, I don't know. Their chances against Golden State have now diminished greatly. That's what people are saying. Because I get it. But I think the only way it diminishes greatly is if one of those three are not on the roster anymore. One of what three? Chris Paul, James Harden, and Clint Capella. Well, if they uh, lost Capella, see, I'm right there with see, the Golden State Sayers. But they brought him back. Against Golden State, Ariza and Luke had very big roles. And their roles were to, bottle, to, to shrink the floor. Well, Luke didn't play. Uh, Luke didn't play at all. Luke had the shoulder thing. Oh yeah, he had the shoulder thing. I thought he came back in the. He, well, it doesn't matter. He didn't play. Even when he came back, he wasn't good. I don't even know if he came back. Whatever. Um, I get the thing. So I, I don't know. I guess we'll see. I just I, I don't think they don't. They're gonna sign somebody. Like uh, not. I'm not I guess I'm not point too. Well, how about this? Like how about this? Hold, 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 hold. Do me a favor. When when he does it, say it. Don't just say I'm confident they're gonna get somebody on the same level as a defender's trip. But he just did it. What? Who? With Gerald Green. Who? Gerald Green. They got him off. That's the not what I'm saying. Their Green. offense isn't the problem. Don't just say yeah. confidently they're going to find somebody to replace Trevor Ariza's defense. Trevor Ariza's been one. I don't think they have to worry about Trevor. I think it's more Luke Richard. I think they were better with. I think he was more valuable than Ariza. Well, to that well, team. he didn't. You just said it. he didn't play against Golden State, so that doesn't matter. 
He didn't, but I'm saying in the regular season. It doesn't matter. We're talking about against Golden State. That's the whole point you're making, right? You're making the point that you're saying against Golden State, all of a sudden they don't have a chance because of this, that. And I'm with No, I'm not saying that. No, no, you're saying that's what people are saying. And I'm saying to you that I agree with you that it's not like they – well, I'm saying to you it's not they don't have a chance. Their chances are greatly diminished. And sure, Ariza was maybe their fifth, sixth most important player of regular season, if you want to say. Or if you want to do a hierarchy of talent, where he falls, six, seven. But against a team like Golden State, his role is amplified. And without him and replacing him with Carmelo, is not that's not conducive to beating Golden State Warriors. You see what I'm saying? Replacing a guy who could yeah. defend, you know, even one through five. A one through four against a, a Warriors lineup with Dre at its center. He could play one through five. He could at least, you know, defend. So replacing that with Carmelo Anthony is a step back. Even if Melo's. I don't think they're planning on replacing either of them with Carmelo. I still think they're going to move Anderson. Again, you can't just. I know you're mad that I can't. You can't that just can't confidently say. Yeah, I know. Well, they're going to find it. Because you, you, until they do it, you can't just say uh-huh. that. That's all I'm asking. You can't just okay. say that. You can't just say they're going to manufacture somebody out of thin air. Because I think even though Reza wasn't like, you know, he wasn't Kawhi level, he wasn't, you know, just like, you know, just a stopper. The way he's so smart and he's such a great team defender and he's such a like an underrated kind of guy that defensive with little things he does. You can't just replace that with James Ennis. You can't, I don't know. And and who was out there? Let's be let's talk about it. Who's out there? There weren't a lot of options, but I think James Ennis can do what seventy five percent of what Ariza did. But you need him to do hundred percent because that's the only way you beat Golden State. You don't beat him with a seventy five percent Ariza. That's my point. No matter what, they- I think you could still beat uh, Golden State with a healthy Chris Paul, healthy James Harden, and a healthy Capella with a seventy five percent. I'm going to say absolutely not. I'm going to say absolutely not. Yeah. Especially if they have a, a healthy Iggy and a healthy everyone else, they're just too much. Just absolutely not. Okay. That's fair. Um, let's see. Was there any other team that we like are forgetting about right now? Wow. That's oh, the Pelicans are running it back. They signed Jaleel Okafor. Good for yeah. them. They. Uh, I love the Julius Randle thing for we them. Do. So shout out to them. I like that a lot. I think Alfred Payton's actually really. Bad I'll say this. I think. I think the deal. combination of Julius Randle and Meritich is better for that team than Demarcus Cousins. I would agree. Yeah, I think we're going to see some really fun stuff with Bully Ball, with Julius Randle inside and him finding ways to maneuver around Anthony Davis and all that kind of stuff in the orbit that that's going to provide. I think it's a good rotation between the three of them. And I mean, Mecca Kafour is probably going to do that. Keith Bogan start in the regular season. But come playoff time, I think they'll be they'll be fun again. Um, it's amazing we did not talk about the Blazers yet, who I think actually had the worst offseason of anybody in the NBA. Yeah, it's pretty bad. To not do anything. I wouldn't say the worst of anybody. Holy moly. That's tough. Who had a worse offseason based on where they were a year ago? Oh, I'm about to take a look. I guess Cleveland because they lost LeBron James. That hurts. <laughs> um, who, who else? Yeah. Um, I don't know. I'll take a look while you talk. But go ahead. Tell me, tell me why you think they had the worst. So they got swept. They were the number three seed in the West. They got swept. And it wasn't really close. Like the Pelicans just blew them out. Like Anthony Davis just i think he's actually the mayor of portland now i think that's the how this all works mm-hmm. but they had to do something and they brought back yusuf nurkic on a four-year deal mm-hmm. and i don't love that they signed uh, so their lottery pick last year was zach collins the five the seven footer from gonzaga that was that's, sure how that's, yeah that's where shit that's where stuff went bad that i, I, exactly. I hated that pick let shabazz napier who's really good as a third guard for them go to brooklyn they let 
Ed Davis go to Brooklyn. Another good rotational big. They replaced them with, let me get this name. Is that uh, Nick Stauskas? Is that Stauskas? Is that who's on this team now? Um, That's what he decided to do. Like, Mo Harkless is still their starting three. Like, they did not really address any of their major issues. And I understand that they're capped out and the Evan Turner stuff hurts things, Myers Leonard contract, all that. But, like, for Neil O'Shea to do nothing with this team, to stand pat, basically, and just let valuable contributors go and replace him with the Nick Stauskas of the world, that just... It doesn't sit right for me, and if I'm a Blazers fan, I'm really pissed off right now. And I think we like it's a weird situation because CJ McCollum and Damian Lillard played a lot of games together this year, and guess what? They had a top ten defense, and we never thought that that could happen with guards like Damian Lillard and uh, CJ McCollum. But they did it. Like kudos to them, they got there. But signing Seth Curry, another guy I forgot to mention there, and uh, signing Nick Stauskas and re-signing Yusuf Nurkic after getting swept in the first round. Um, when you had home court advantage by the Pelicans to do like, it's just, you can't do that. You have to do something. Something obviously went awry and I, I just have a really bad feeling about them this year. I think they're out of the playoffs. I think the West is a bloodbath anyway, that for them to do nothing. And like the difference between three and the number three seed and the number nine seed last year was minimal. I think they're in for a rude awakening. And I think, it's going to be bad very quickly in Portland. I, I'm really upset with Portland. I want to tell you that uh, make sure you have me back on the show in March because I think you're going to, I'm going to tell you that you were wrong because one thing about them making the playoffs, yeah, they're, they're going to make the playoffs. They'll be comfortable. I don't think so. Look at yeah, the, the playoffs. Yeah, they're going to be the, the, the Lakers are in now. Who's falling. They're going to be the middle of the pack. They are going to be, because again, this is, you know why you actually know why, because you just, you explained exactly why they were the number three seed last year and they're getting to in the playoffs. So they're going to win a lot of regular season games, and then their weaknesses will be exposed in the playoffs, which is what they do every year. So don't be shocked to see them with 48 wins, you know, right there in the four, five, six mix in the east in the West, and then in the playoffs they can't, you know, they can't defend the pick and roll against a monster like Anthony Davis, and they get crushed. Or in the playoffs they just, you know, they're going to overload and run traps at, at Dame and CJ and make somebody else make plays and no one else can and they're, they're going to get crushed. That's just how it is. This team's how many games more do you think they won than the Nuggets last year? They're like maybe one. Right there with them. Three. Yeah, they all... They, they, I just... I mean, they, somebody's falling out, man. And it's not the Pelicans. It's not the Jazz. It's not Oklahoma City. It's not Houston. It's that. not Golden State. It's not so, San Antonio. I'll say this. I'll, I'll always say this. It, no, 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 it no, Give me a second. Do you remember... When the Heat won that ridiculous run a couple years ago to close the season, and everybody was like, well, next season, let's go. They're going to bring that team back. When a team goes on an ungodly run like uh, the, that Heat team did, and I, I got to say it, like the Pelicans did last year and like the, the Jazz did. Oh, the Bill James principle of what does he call it he has a principal name for this like he like the ben Goller even mentioned it in his si column this week on the pacers being the next example of this where they overachieved and they brought it all back and then they fell back to earth. well yeah because guess what the next season you can't quite capture that chemistry that got you exactly and yeah. that little certain certain shots will stop falling and a guy who was really good in that little role last year wants more and th- so that's that's a real thing and and like you know that that guy who was healthy and part of your run all of a sudden sprains an ankle, he misses three weeks. So, I think the Jazz are really going to be really good. They're not going to be as good as they got the plexiglass play. right principle. By the way, is that plexiglass? plexiglass? It's called the plexiglass principle. Yeah. 
Um, the Jazz, I think, actually, are probably going to be the number two seed in the West. Well, maybe, but again, that one they went on was outstanding. I don't think they, can, they were like forty-four and eleven with Gobert. I don't think they can maintain that. That's all I'm saying. That's like insane. Okay. That's insane. And and if they maintain that, kudos to them. I think they're really good. I don't think they're that good. That's all I'm saying. That's fair. Because that, that's that took look, dude. I love that team, I, and Donovan is going to be – like. I just think he's going to get better and better. He's like one of those guys that – like. so they locked up Dante Exum. They um, bring back Rubio, obviously. they. I think they brought back Raul Neto. Um, they have guys in this rot. Like, I, I just don't see them falling off. Joe Ingles is it's like not the rotation see, it's a, guy. Me and me he's it's not falling off. They're not going to be bad. It's just that when they play at such an insane level, I'm thinking they were at one point like nine games below 500, and then they ended the season on what was the run they ended the season on? Wait, when this past the year? the the Jazz? They were not nine games. Oh my god! No, no, go look. The Jazz were bad because they were like 11 and 15 without okay. Gobert, but I don't think <laughs> they were maybe like one or two no, games under. You go ahead. There's no way they made up that. I want to do a favor. Go ahead and riff for a minute. Yeah. I'm gonna look it up because I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you they, they were no, uh, <laughs> but yeah. So they brought back favors and. Uh, they just they have a lot of young guys that are all just going to continually like maybe not all of them, but Quinn Snyder has built this kind of perfect team approach, kind of like what the Celtics did with Brad. So here, here's my question. Uh, and uh, but real a quick aside, how come no one has the same questions about, oh, how, how is it going to fit everybody in Utah that they have a Boston? Uh, I think it's because they don't have as many stars. They have two stars. OK, that's fair. Well, how many stars do you think are in Boston right now? Uh, three. Okay, you calling Tatum a star already? Yes. All right. Okay, that's fair. Very fair. Okay. Uh, so let me see here. That's through January nineteenth. That's probably where we want to be. That's forty-seven. So keep on talking. That's forty-seven games. I'll, I'll count the 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 wins. Forty-seven games. One, two, three. You got to talk because no one wants to listen to this. One. No, this is actually amazing. Four, five. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, 13, 14. I can't riff 15. on Grayson Allen, man. I, I only I ran out of stuff to say about the Jazz right now until we make the final case on whether or not they were ever nine games under five hundred. This bet. I know there were more than one or two. That's my point. I think it max is three, max, and I think it was like two. I already missed. You made me miss my spot. What is wrong with you? So that's forty. Don't blame me for this. Seven games. One, <laughs> two, three, four, five. Six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen, twenty. 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20. So they were 20 and 27 at one point. Okay. Okay. That, how many games under 500 is that, sir? That is seven. So they, so they went, I'm looking at it now too. So from January 24th, to there you go. February 23rd, mm-hmm. they had lost one game. That run, holy shit. I'm telling you. From January basically to March. To, oh my God. It basically went into the end of the season. Thank you. Okay. Like, that's not normal. That's not normal. They had one 11, they had an 11 game win streak, a nine game win streak, and yeah. Then they had those. But I think all of that was just because they lost. The final, games, the final 34 games of the season, I'm saying one, two, three, four, five, six, six losses. Come on, dude. 
I get it. They're going to, I think they're going to be really no, good. They, no, they're, going to be, they're not going to be that good. Come on. They went 28 and 6 down the stretch. How much you want to bet? I think this How much you want to bet? I think this team's going to win like 58. Do me a favor. Look at that winning percentage, and then you tell me if they're going to reach that winning percentage. Do the math. Uh, why are you making me do the math in my own podcast? Because I don't want to do the math. Tired of your crap already. Now, um, <laughs> no, 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 and this is, trust me, if the Jazz finish, uh, finish tops in the, you know, number two in the West, I won't be shocked at all. I'm just saying that I also wouldn't be shocked if they go through some, they scuffle through some spots and not because of the defense, like, you know, the offense, they're going to be good. I don't think they're going to be a great offense. And so I wouldn't be shocked if they win 53. That's a good season. It's a great season. 54. All right. I'm just, that's all I'm, I'm saying. Say 58. That's all. I'm going to say 57 or 58. And I'll let you have it. I'm not going to argue because I'm never a win totals type guy. I just, when you see a team that finishes down the stretch 28 and 6, that's not who they are. I'm not saying that they're a terrible team, but playing. Unless they're like the Warriors. Or the Rockets, absolutely. Or... Exactly. Yeah. So, and these, that team is not that. So. Okay. That's a good way of ending this. Um, you got so mad at me, James. I feel like you only got mad. At, I don't know if you got mad at me more the first. No, time it's not mad. You frustrate time. the hell out of me because I'm like, I'm like, oh man, the team that goes on the stress like that. I doubt that. Is this our last podcast? Oh no, I'll come on and yell at you every time. And then you're like, okay. you're like, oh, are you saying the Jazz are bad? I think they're good. I said, I'm like, I never said they were bad. I'm just saying that I doubt that they're that good. And you're like, whoa, why? Why do you hate Utah, James? Actually, what did Utah do? Donovan Mitchell is actually right there behind uh, Russell Westbrook and Jalen Brown, my favorite player. He's awesome. Okay. Oh, we haven't even talked about Westbrook. Never. We don't have time. We don't have time. I got to run um, another part of this podcast to record. But, James, this was great. Um, I'm glad we were able to do this again. Uh, Are you, uh... Everyone, thanks for listening to me count wins as uh, he, sat silent, uh-huh. he sat silent for 35 seconds. That was cool. I mean, I've done almost 200 of these. I know what the <laughs> listeners want, and they really love that awkward pause uh, an hour into the podcast. That is the bread and butter of the Chase Thomas podcast. That's what they want. Um, James, we can find you on Twitter at Snotty Driven. We can read you at peoplebreakdown.com. You appear on all kinds of other podcasts. Like, what else do you have coming down the pike? It's Monday. Um, is there anything we should look out for this week? Um, I just did a podcast with Detroit Bad Boys, so check that one out at DetroitBadBoys.com. Um, I just did another one too, and I completely forgot what it was. But look up my name and podcast; you'll find it. All right, cool. Well, we will talk again, sir. And um, I apologize again, <laughs> you as always. Nah, tell your doctor it's my fault. You're my, when they're like, you're my, you're my, you're my, you're my internet, you're my internet BFF. We're good. Right on the line right now, Kyle Goon, the new Lakers beat writer. He jumped in at a great time, and uh, Kyle, are you already overwhelmed by everything Los Angeles? Yeah, man. Um, I'm reporting to you from our, our Venice Beach bureau, where I just had uh, my toes in the sand. So yeah, it's a pretty hard life out here. I don't know how people do it, you know, with the traffic and all. No, it's been great. I I, I like it. Uh, obviously, it's just been sort of a quiet time for the NBA. So, um, you know, a lot still to come and, and meeting the team and, and kind of getting down to business. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's really exciting, obviously. And, uh, you know, everybody's eyes are going to be following what's going on in LA this season. So what are you most excited about? Like who, or have you already done some like 
pre-planning on like certain guys you were pretty fascinated by talking to have you, like, <laughs> like who are some guys that you pinpointed that oh like, man you know what this is one of the guys i'm gonna get a lot out of you this year well i you know i, I think it's just i think i think the whole animus of the season is lebron uh obviously and and um you know obviously he's very media savvy and and um and he's he's in the prime of his career still and i i just uh i, I think my head sort of explodes with ideas about about you know things that what what can still be written about him and, and what can you know what are what are people expecting of him and how are the people of la going to relate to him and how's he you know going to relate to this town um so i mean i i think you know um that that's kind of my big thing right now is is just sort of thinking about okay hey how how's it going to work out with um this aspect and this aspect because i think we all understand um LeBron's reasoning for coming to LA is not purely basketball reasoning. Uh, you know, I mean, he could have gone to Houston through a complex signing trade, but he, he could have gone to Houston and, and, well, they you know, maybe Beasley, made that team. I think he wanted to, yeah, it was the Beasley. Yeah. It was the Beasley super team. Um, he really loved that Miami heat time where him and yeah, he, the floor together. <laughs> well, I, yeah, I mean, but I just, I'm curious to getting to the heart of, you know, what, what's, what's he doing here and, and what's the impact. Um, and I, and I think that's kind of what everyone's curious about. Right. Um, and, and so, you know, LeBron the normal is, fans, is, I'm curious yeah, about how yeah. this affects Kyle Kuzma because I'm a crazy person. And, oh dude. Uh, well, yeah. I covered Kyle Kuzma at Utah, so I'm, I'm also interested in that. Um, okay. I've known him so a long time. Connection. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I I ran into Kyle Kuzma at Summer League and told him I was taking a new job. He's like, "Oh man, that's big time. That's Hollywood." So, yeah, he's, he's excited <laughs> too. Um, but yeah, no, I I think it's the the sort of interesting dynamic about the whole Lakers team this year is everyone's. I mean, more or less, if your goal is to win championships, this is maybe not a. a a championship year and a championship group right now in front of it you you don't have to yeah. walk on eggshells there we can go and say so it's I, not a championship yeah, well year I, I, look <laughs> I, i'd be the last person to well i wouldn't be the last but i, I wouldn't count lebron out before he's had oh, his say I, I've obviously him out. he's done. taking groups he's, oh I'm yeah counting him out yeah it's over you don't have to do well, this well that's, don't talk that's yourself you in. that's not me so so that's not me on the record for, okay. for, for anyone who's listening, yeah, that's not what I, what I have to say. But, you know, it's it's obviously um, – it's not a group that is obviously going to knock off the Warriors or even be toe-to-toe with the Warriors, right? Um, mm. So they, they may surprise us. And, you know, LeBron, it's hard to count him out when he's been to eight straight finals. But, um, you know, it's, it's going to be a, a struggle in, in that sense. And the Lakers have, have these two sort of – schools on the roster one which is that young group of kuzma ingram ball which they sort of allowed to to kind of have some growing pains last year and then a whole new group of vets who you know i I don't know if they're going to have that kind of patience um so i I think it's gonna be interesting to just see how that sort of the relationship lands rondo rondo yeah yeah it's just it's all i mean i think the chemistry is going to be really interesting to watch and, and sort of within LA that it's going to be some, some sink or swim moments for those, you know, 22, 23 year old guys 
or younger who who were seen as the core of the group last year. So it, it'll be really interesting. Yeah, and I think Brandon Ingram's like the forgotten guy here because... Oh, he's, yeah, he's definitely not forgotten. Um, yeah, I just, okay. I, I guess I didn't say his name. But, um, you know, and, and I think maybe another dynamic that I'm sort of following is when you think of LeBron's teams, you know, his title contending teams, he always has at least one sort of running make, right? And mm-hmm. um, so you think of Kevin Love, you think of Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh and Kyrie Irving. And, and so he's always yeah, had... Yeah. Mary Hughes. <laughs> Um, absolutely. Juan Wagner, <laughs> Daniel Marshall. Man, those are some deep cuts. Those are some <laughs> deep cuts, man. Uh, yeah. Booby Gibson. Uh, Booby Gibson. No, man. no. Yeah. I mean, Damon Jones. I keep going, but I'll stop. So this. T- um, <laughs> yeah. So I guess what one of my questions is: Who's his running mate? And and I think you know if you're sort of outside looking in, like Brandon Ingram, maybe makes a lot of sense if he can kind of yeah. develop into what his his uh supporters really think he can be and sort of a, a kd light i guess is, is the hope at some point um so have you, you know talked to just, him yet? no i have not i've not talked to him yet um okay but i mean august is so dead like I, it was a great yeah. time to start a new job in august when yep. everyone's on vacation um but you know it's it's, it's all good so um but i think that's going to be one of the big big questions who steps up in sort of that wingman role that LeBron has had throughout his, his uh, title contending career. Yeah. And I think Ingram's the most logical pick, but I also think it's interesting because so Rob Mahoney, the fantastic NBA writer for sports illustrated wrote yeah. this piece kind of chronicling like, so Ingram had this year last year where Luke Walton empowered him to, because yeah. he has that Wiggins thing where mm-hmm. if he's not the primary focus and you're just asking him to play off the ball, he gets lost and he just drifts. And I think that's the exact word he used. And it's true. But now that LeBron is the center of attention, it's his team. Brandon Ingram's got to go back to playing off the ball. He's not going to be bringing the ball up the court a bunch like he did this past year. Um, It's going to be different. He's going to be playing second fiddle. And I wonder how much that like just LeBron being there caps what Ingram can be because LeBron's there for four years and Ingram, the most important part of his development now is going to be next to LeBron James. Like I think Kuzma is a perfect fit. I still think people are over uh, (laughs) like, I would say they're just kind of overreacting to Lonzo's fit next to LeBron. I still think he's fine. And I think he'll, he'll be okay there, but I do think Mm -hmm. has the most to, I I don't want to say lose, but it does seem like LeBron being the focus on that team. it, It actually may hurt, ingram's ultimate superstar level but like he'll still end up being a really good player next kind of like what love had to do like you mentioned where it's like he obviously was not the guy he was in minnesota but he still was able to do enough um to be an all-star to be a really good player just not a number one guy on a contender like i think that's mm-hmm. now yeah, well the question I, yeah next I, to lebron i would sort of read the read the tea leaves differently in that you know ingram was the number one guy last year but his efficiency as the number one guy was not great and 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 he's being being guarded like the number one guy um you know doesn't have quite the percentages you want in certain situations and you know at times his efficiency struggled because he was sort of the focal point of the defense and i wonder if he's not elevated by 
sort of LeBron's ability to to play make out of out of the half court and find find guys like that um, and find mismatches and not having to be you know the number one focus um, and you know obviously there's other things that go into that developing physically which he you know kind of had to do since he got in the NBA and and sort of developing um, IQ which is uh, sort of as you alluded to a little in and out um, but. You know, I, I kind of wonder, is he, because, I, I, yeah, I mean, this is going to be his best teammate <laughs> since he became in the league by a long, long margin. And that's not yep. just a compliment to LeBron. That's uh, kind of dissing what the Lakers roster has been for the last two years. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's it's been a mess, and he's been asked at times to maybe do too much. And I wonder if, you know, this isn't an opportunity for him to sort of elevate and become more efficient around LeBron, maybe not have some of the stats uh, uh, that he had, but be a, a better finisher, a better, a higher percentage shooter, and a guy who is that second scoring option uh, when LeBron's on the floor. So I would agree. And I think it's going to be like, it's not like no one really gets worse. So it's not like, and like you said, it's just maybe this is the best use of Brandon Ingram is he'll become a more efficient player and LeBron can do the heavy lifting and it's just, it'll be fine. Um, I think Luke Walton's a good coach and all that, but um, yeah, I think it's going to, it's going to be interesting. Um, So we kind of know now what this roster is going to look like. We know about, like, you are more optimistic and bullish on their 2018, 2019 chances than I am. Um, How do you see this roster as it stands right now with LeBron in relation to the rest of the Western Conference where it's like, okay, the Vegas over-under, a little high for them. Um, I think it's what, like 48? Yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, that was an interesting... I don't know. Those guys know what they're doing. I, <laughs> I, I never. Under. I don't want to mess LeBron with it hasn't, because my yeah. instinct is like the exact wrong thing uh, when it comes to Vegas lines. It's it's incredible how good those guys are. Um, I, I mean, I don't know. I see them as like a, a five seater lower right now. I just Same. don't see them. I mean, at least talent wise, like they don't match what I would say is, is the top four which, off the top of my head. I would say, um, you know, golden state, Houston, Oklahoma city and, and the jazz. Um, yep. and, and those teams are one pretty cohesive. Although I think the Rockets, uh, kind of screwed up by not bringing, uh, Trevor Reza back, um, for whatever reason that happened. Um, uh, he got $15 and, million for a one year yeah, but like, with uh, Phoenix. Yeah. I mean, Golden State has their quarterback. The Jazz have their quarterback. Um, the Thunder pulled off the upset of the year by keeping Paul George and not even <laughs> not even getting him to meet with Magic, which I find stunning um, still. But, you know, and that group's cohesive and maybe even more cohesive without Carmelo Anthony um, and, and healthy Andre Roberson. So I just don't, I don't see any world in which the Lakers throughout the regular season are better than that, except for an injury. Um, yeah, I, I, I just don't see it right now. And I think it's going to, because the group is so new, it's going to take some, some time to, to kind of bind. And, you know, LeBron has sort of the rhythm that he's developed over the years for all his, all his contending teams, even the one that 
like last year that seem like they weren't <laughs> going to contend. Um, so it's, it, it kind of, kind of gets a little dead in, in December and January. And, you know, is, is it going to be easy in October right off the bat where they face a bunch of playoff teams from last year? Um, you know, it, it's not going to be simple uh, for that group to, to bond. And, you know, the, the young talent that we think, I think a lot of people, especially in the Lakers organization, think very highly of. I mean, they just don't have the experience of a winning team and they don't, they don't know what it's like. So I, I just really wonder how quickly that's going to come together. I do think they'll make the playoffs. I, I don't see them being a top four seed. Do you think Josh Hart ever overtakes uh, KCP as the starting two this season? Um, you know, I, I, I don't have enough uh, material to, to, to uh, say whether that happens or not. I, I, I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I, I think that, that's star. an interesting the dynamic. I ask is he was, uh, everybody fell in love with him this summer. And uh, yeah, I'm also I not just, the biggest KCP person, so I do wonder if uh-huh. that is. Uh, I don't think Summer League gets yeah. seriously, to be honest with mm-hmm. you. <laughs> I, I think it's dangerous to do so. Uh, mm-hmm. But I, I mean, you know, I mean, certainly like uh, it worked for Kuzma last year, and he yeah. was a stand on Summer League. And then I, I think like, so not, like NBA guys, like real NBA guys, should be able to like hold their own. Like, no one thinks, oh, this guy looked we're totally getting just, just washed out there. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, as long as they meet that borderline criteria, I mean, weird things happen, you know, there's injuries you don't know about, there's stuff we don't know about. I mean, it's, it's totally, and it's just a different style than, um, the actual NBA game. But yeah, I mean, I think it's obviously encouraging that Josh Hart had such a great summer and I'm sure the Lakers feel that way too. And, and he's, he's obviously a really solid player, um, and a, and a really, mature mindset to come in as a four-year college guy and kind of defy the conventional wisdom of, Oh, if you're not out after year one or two, like you're not going to make it in the league. But I think, I think that's really impressive and, and maybe an understated accomplishment of his career so far. Um, and, and it certainly seems like, you know, they need, they need shooters for sure. Um, well, on the roster, they have Rajon so Rondo, they have Lonzo Ball, they have KCP, they have right? Michael Beasley, they have JaVale McGee. Yeah. Um, they have yeah. guys up and down the roster that can shoot. Lance, oh Stevenson, my gosh, we haven't really talked about it yet. Yeah, I don't know what the concern is there. Uh, but yeah, they need his skill set, so he'll he'll be a, a rotation player for sure. Um, <laughs> I think so too. So it's a, I just, what do you think of the theory? And this is probably the most popular one right now surrounding like, cause everyone's trying to wrap their head around Rob Palinka and magic, uh, signing Michael Beasley, Lance Stevenson, Rondo to these one year deals. But the thing is, if you look around the league, the majority of the contracts handed out this summer were one year deals and yeah. everybody's kind of planning for 2019 free agency. And the Lakers obviously will have a lot of money to throw around. Kawhi Leonard will be available again. Like that kind of stuff is on their mind so uh, do you buy into the theory that lebron went to la he was like i'm piece one it's going to take me some time to acclimate myself with this guy with this group i want to see what we have in the young guys that you already have in place because they spent a number two pick on lonzo they spent a number two pick on brandon ingram they um i mean kyle kuzma is a first round pick they have guys in this roster now that like 
they have to see how they mesh with um, LeBron before they make any kind of long-term commitments with those guys because LeBron is now there for the foreseeable future. And if they don't work next to LeBron, then um, LeBron's going to be like, all right, these guys got to go. At the same time, LeBron obviously wants to compete and he knows that veterans win in this league. So he signed, like he wanted to get certain veterans in there and um, obviously kind of some curious decisions. I mean, KCP was obvious with the agent stuff, but um, do you buy in that like you was just like, all right, let's get a bunch of vets on one-year deals, keep our cap space for next year. We know we're not going to win. Maybe LeBron wins MVP because he's got the narrative on his side. Because if he gets 50 wins out of this bunch of guys, um, the writers yeah, the, and, okay. and everybody else well, is going to love him. Yeah. Well, look, I mean, there's a lot to unpack there. And and obviously, you know, I, I don't have uh, tremendous insight into what Rob Pulinka and Magic Johnson uh, took into consideration for all those signings. I think what confuses people about everything that's happened since the LeBron signing is like the Lakers kind of had this spark of, okay, we can get the best player in the world to come here. Um, and, and with, with no, you know, specific guarantees. I mean, cause, cause clearly like if they, if they had guaranteed another star, if, if LeBron needed that, he would have waited or, or right. he doesn't need that. So, and then you kind of have these other signings that seem sort of we're, we're, you know, we're on the, we're on a stationary bike. We're just sort of treading water for a year, which doesn't seem like what you would want to do with LeBron in his prime. So I, I acknowledge that is kind of a confusing mixture. Um, I don't, I can't say for sure, you know, what went into all the signings and, and and everything i i think it tells us though that lebron does not feel an urgency to win and and maybe feels like hey my legacy is set um and and has some other interests um and and i think it we have to kind of take him at his word that he said you know i i always wanted to play for a historic franchise like the lakers and i think he has this attraction to um, power. I mean, you look at his favorite teams and they're the Dallas Cowboys and the New York Yankees. And it's, it's like bandwagon central for LeBron. Right. Um, and I think that's kind of how he thinks. I mean, he's a powerful man. He's, he's not just powerful in the world of sport, but I mean, in entertainment across the board. And I think he was drawn to the franchise independent of the championship aspirations. And I, I, that that's really as far as I can take it for right now. I mean, I, I don't think it, to me, it begs the question of, of why does everyone seem okay with, Hey, LeBron's in his prime. He's turning 34 this year. We're not contending for a title though. I mean, I think the sort of the, the gut reaction when you sign LeBron is we got to do everything it takes to compete for a title this year. Cause you know, we don't know how long the prime is going to last. Like we, we're, we're spellbound by this idea that he's, he's still going at 34 as many games as he's played. He's still arguably the best player in the world. Um, and it just seems, um, you know, just strange to, to sort of be like, Oh, well he's in his prime, but maybe we got another year to compete in, in 2019, 2020. So I, I, I acknowledge it's confusing. I can't really speak to more than that. I think it just tells us that LeBron's, you know, okay with 
this idea that he doesn't have to win another title this year. So I, 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 I really can't say more than that conclusively. Yeah, I mean, that's fair. Um, my theory, um, my rampant speculation here is I do think this is an off year to Mulligan year. He's okay with it. And, um, which is wild to say. I mean, I just, I think he knows like, that they could just... beat the Warriors wherever he went. I think he knew he couldn't beat Golden State this year. No matter what. Yeah, but I, 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 I tend to take the line of thinking that it doesn't matter. You just have to, you have to believe in your group and you know i mean for all we know this is the year where steph's ankles give out you know what i mean how like, this dare is the year you? where what no i'm what just saying this? like <laughs> i'm not i'm just saying like that that's realistic right i mean he had some injuries oh, in no. the last year i mean i just it, you you can't account for everything that's going to happen i mean you you can't account for you know stunning and and crippling injuries that happen or or weird situations or i mean what if what if something happened with KD and he was this year's Kawhi Leonard and he's sitting Kyle, out for whatever it. reason? I want KD no, I'm and just, I'm healthy. Just saying, what are you like, doing? I, I, I just, I think you have to look at your resources and say, is this worth maximizing to to whatever extent we can, or do we do we sit back and and I think the the sit back categories are really like the lower tier teams like the the Kings and and things like that. Like, I, I really, I don't really see the the reasoning on the surface level behind sitting back a year for LeBron in the midst of his prime. Um, and, and he just has, but, you know, maybe they see it differently. Maybe they do feel like they built a con- uncompetitive roster. Maybe they feel differently about it than the rest of us do. I, I can't really tell you, but um, it's it's definitely interesting. I'll throw out my uh, working theory right now. And it's not a theory, it's just a prediction, I should say. Um, I think Kevin Durant is um, a strong possibility to Los Angeles next summer. That would be wild. Can you imagine? Yeah, I don't, I don't know what is up with team? him. Yeah. He's got, he, yeah, he's got some, he's got some interesting um, feelings about things and he has a lot of interactions feelings. with he, people. Yeah. He is a person very I, I, much in his feelings. I'm not sure I understand that either. Yeah. But, um, But that'd be fun. I'm here for it. But I just think that the Warriors are going to win again. And if he gets three straight finals MVPs and they coast, I just, I don't know. It's hard to keep that kind of group together long term. And I wonder if he just, you know what? Like there's something to the number one player in the world playing with the number two player in the world. And seeing what happens, like there is something <laughs> yeah, well, super fascinating. Yeah, there. we're gonna see what happens. It's gonna be everyone who's outraged know they're cool. about the Warriors is gonna be ten times worse if that's what Can happens. Can you imagine with the Lakers. Laker fans and what you're gonna deal with? Oh my god! I really hope this happens. Actually, I, I I would love to see it from a basketball fan standpoint. Those two playing together. Oh boy, <laughs> that the outrage would be out of control. Would it be but outrage? We'll see. Wouldn't we all just enjoy oh, it? Wouldn't we sure. all want it? I, I think everybody I, wants the Warriors I, to get broken look, up that coming bad. From, like, even I, I Lakers, covered the Jazz yeah. last year, and uh-huh. I think in a normal NBA, like we would all be talking about the Jazz as a a contending team. And it's, I mean, it really grinds people out there that there was a weird situation in 2016 where the, the cap jumped, and it, it just allowed this once in a generation really once in league history event to happen where Kevin Durant was able to join the Warriors 
who are already great. Um, and I, I, I mean, in the, in the league, small markets, I mean, that frust that frustrates a lot of people who feel like things are stacked and small markets have no chance. And, you know, after seven or eight years of their star, they're going to, they're going to have to say goodbye to them. Um, so, I, I mean, it's like in the league, small, mar- like obviously Lakers fans would be over the moon if that happened, but in the league, small markets, it's, it's really um, become the source of frustration that the Warriors are allowed to exist. And if you create a situation where Kevin Durant and LeBron James can play together, and if they're still both at the top of their games, I, I, I like the, everyone, there'd be a revolt of like 25 different fan bases against the five biggest. You know what I mean? It's I, yeah. I, I, not that I think the NBA is in a precarious position, but I think, you know, they are sort of aware of this tension with, um, you know, with the smaller markets and, and teams that have smaller championship windows and for whom it's, it's harder to get star free agents that there, there's just a tension there that is, is really stoked by the fact that the, the Warriors can exist in their current form. That's fair. Um, last thing, then we'll go. Who is your favorite jazz guy to talk to last year? Oh, it's clearly Donovan Mitchell. Um, really? And, and clearly. Look, I, yeah. Look, if you don't, if you don't know, I mean, well, he's a fantastic player. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, that, that's part of it. We, we had to talk to him a lot, but mm-hmm. he last year he was great with the media and gave a lot of people time and and was, is very personable and very articulate and and thoughtful and um, great. I mean, he he he's not and behind the scenes. He kind of is who he is. He's not putting out a fake version of himself. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, so you, you see some of the stuff he does. Um, you see sort of his background and, and you know, his dad um, worked for the Mets. So he was around the Mets clubhouse. So he understands how locker rooms work. And I think he also understands how the media works. And, and he's just a really smart kind of guy who has a knack for, you know, what, journalists are trying to do day to day in their jobs and and has time for everyone and and that includes fans too so um the people of utah love the kid um and if you kind of follow the social media activity of him you'll you'll understand why um more or less than hayward oh way more uh interesting donovan mitchell as a rookie has inspired a following and a loyalty that gordon hayward never had in seven years like it's and and that has that's not to diss Gordon Hayward in the sense that like it wasn't a lack of of achievement on his part. I I just think personality wise, Donovan Mitchell is this you know extremely outgoing, um, embracing. I mean Gordon Hayward sort of I, I think it, it was just a he, he was initially not embraced. First of all, I mean. There are people who booed his selection on draft night in Utah. I think mm-hmm. that, you know, I don't know whether that set a tone, but he he's just never both feet in uh, into the market, I think, um, for whatever reason. maybe And maybe it's just his personality. Maybe he's just more introverted and, and into his video games or whatever. But I was going to say Donovan, he does video games. Yeah. Yeah, Donovan Mitchell is just engaging on this level to, to the people of Utah that – that Gordon Hayward is not. And again, that's not like, I just think Donovan Mitchell is just this 
extreme personality that has certain traits that just kind of groom him for this this superstar oh, role. I'm kind of worried about you. Front. I think you really liked covering Donovan Mitchell. Are you going to be okay no, without? Him? I mean, he's a star. I mean, he yeah. he is. It's yeah. it's happening. Um, and and like it's it's honestly impossible to overstate how much the jazz fans like him there. Like it, it really is. Like I, I, I know that the jazz don't really make waves um, nationally uh, in this way for people to understand that, but locally, like he, I mean, yeah, he's the biggest thing since Brigham Young in Utah. <laughs> okay. Maybe you don't get that joke. Hopefully somebody does. Yeah. Um, all right. There we go. I never thought I would end a podcast on a Brigham Young joke, but that is what we're doing right now. Kyle, I really appreciate you taking the time. Um, I'm excited uh, to read your work this fall and spring um, covering the Los Angeles Lakers. It's it's going to be a fun year, and uh, you're going to do a great job, man. So I'm excited to read your stuff, and everybody else should read your stuff. And uh, yeah, man, uh, we will have to talk again soon. Yeah. Hey, th- thank you very much. And Southern California news groups, that's LA Daily Times, Orange County Register. I'm on, it's like 11 different websites, but yep. it'll be it'll be found somewhere, hopefully. So Just we'll, uh, we'll see how it goes. You'll fi- we'll find you. Every, you're easily, to, you're, <laughs> you'll be, <laughs> yeah, it, it'll be good. And uh, I'm excited. But either way, Kyle, I really do appreciate you taking the time. And we will talk again soon, sir. Thanks, Chase. And that'll do it for today's episode of the Chase Thomas Podcast. I just want to remind you guys, if you like today's episode and you are subscribed on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, I would really appreciate if you could take a second, leave the show a five-star rating and a review. If uh, you're not an Apple Podcast listener, remember you can find the show on Spotify, TuneIn Radio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, uh, Google Play, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Uh, Be sure to check out ChaseThomasPodcast.com where you can access all of my previous episodes and also find all my writing. I'm writing there fairly often and also follow me on Twitter at chase underscore Thomas and like the Facebook page at facebook.com slash chase Thomas writer. Thank you for your support and we'll be back with another episode very soon. Thanks guys.